This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Sports news, views and interviews for our community. The Locker Room with Ben and Rolly on Joy 94.9. It is the locker room on Joy ninety four point nine. Your show for sports news, views, and interviews. Ben Lankin with you. Rolly here with me as always. Good evening. Good evening. Happy ben. Queen's Sound- birthday long weekend. Sounds like I uh, gave you a bit of my cough from last week. Yeah, luckily we did it off air just before we started. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, I don't actually know what the story with Queen's birthday is because it's not actually her birthday, is it? No, I think you get to pick. All the different countries get to pick whenever they want the Queen's birthday to be. And she probably doesn't even know. No, no. Oh. So anyway. Don't send her a present. Hmm. Uh, first up, Rolly, I think today we need to say a very big thank you to everyone who uh, got involved in our Radiothon special last Monday, uh, especially to everyone who rang up or logged on to become a Joy member. Response was uh, fantastic. It was uh, The phones were ringing hot throughout the whole uh, program and we had some people logging on online as well. So thank you to everyone who, uh, who rang up and joined up and uh, helped uh, Joy to stay on air. Yeah, I think we had uh, we did a pretty good number actually. I think we did about sixteen, seventeen. So yeah, it was uh, it was a very good show, and especially uh, for nine o'clock at night. Hopefully, you, know. you enjoyed the uh, rendition of the uh, New Zealand national anthem in Maori. I oh, certainly did. It was did. amazing. Um, Big show tonight, Rolly. Uh, first up, a young openly gay college footballer uh, is hoping to become the first openly gay player in the NFL in the US. Um, Outsports side Ziegler caught up with the young footballer Alan Gendrew recently. We'll bring that interview to you very soon. Well, that's fantastic. What, what an aspiration. Not only to become an NFL footballer, but also to be a gay NFL exactly. footballer. He's also in the church choir as well. Oh. So it's a very interesting interview. Oh, well, there you go. You might see him at the gay games. I think they've got <laughs> quarrel there, don't they? A quarrel? Um, coral. Any, coral. <laughs> coral? Isn't coral that? is what happened at the uh, State of Origin on Wednesday night. Ah. Uh, coral is, yeah. uh, is singing, I think. Ah, okay. Uh, it sounds like fairy and fairy. <laughs> so, anyway, um, Play by the Rules. Fantastic program and initiative um, that's been run. Uh, by Paul Oliver. Uh, he's the national manager for that, so we'll be talking to him. Really interesting. They're trying to tackle homophobia in sport, racism in sport. They've got a number of uh, materials and toolkits on their website that people can uh, engage with. A great website. We'll catch up with Paul very soon. Uh, locally, again, the Melbourne Frontrunners uh, will be joining us. That's Melbourne's uh, GLBTI running and walking group. Uh, they have two organised trainings uh, per week, and we'll catch up with the boys from the Frontrunners uh, to find out all about their group and how uh, you can get involved if you fancy yourself as a bit of a runner. Well, I, I am certainly not. Well, it sounds like they actually go round the tan to run. I think um, a couple of times I've been round the tan is probably the sightseeing or uh, going on picnics, if you sort of know what I mean. Yes, I do. We're also joined by the Melbourne Spikers a little bit later on. That's Melbourne's gay volleyball team. First up, though, Rolly, what have you got for us this week in Rolly's News Roundup? Ben, you may have heard of Watergate. We have now got Peagate. There was no relief in sight for <laughs> Warriors prop Russell Packer after being caught urinating on field before last Monday night's record 58-16 NRL win over the Warriors. Oh, sorry, over the Broncos. I suppose when you've got to go, Ben, you've got to go. So this is on the field at the stadium. He's yes. taken a leak. 
Mm. Wow. Uh, Is that captured on uh, camera? Yes. Wow. Uh, Warriors CEO Grill Parker on his return back to New Zealand after the NRL issued him with a $15,000 breach notice for a very public toilet break. To make matters worse, Parker could be slapped with a $200 fine after Queensland police indicated they may take action and currently have got their best people on the job. What uh, what, what action could they take? Um, Indecent exposure. And, yeah, pretty much. I think any time you pee in public, you can uh, get fined $200. So lucky. it's very public, isn't it? Mm, lucky they're onto it. Uh, Packer tweeted after. After, after the game, good win. When you got to go, you got to go. However, later that night, something must have happened because he was very apologetic on Twitter. But it remains to be seen whether that apology will hold water with the powers that be. The P-Gate scandal was caused when Fox Sports TV cameras showed the prop urinating in his pants and then shaking his leg before the kickoff on Queensland League's Hello Turf. Oh, so it was in his pants, so it wasn't really indecent exposure. No, so there's just a big wet patch on the front of his Wouldn't pants. have been pleasant for the first person to tackle him, would it? No, you can see <laughs> Maybe that's why they had a uh, a record win. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not touching. No, Let them no, through. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting, though, is uh, Gordon Tellis, who's a big, uh, famous uh, rugby league player for the, the Broncos up there, actually came out and empathised with Packer, but he actually said, look, he agreed with the fine. He said that he had to do the same thing when uh, he was playing uh, years ago, but then the coach came out and uh, told him to stop being like he was in kindergarten and told him to get back on the field. The problem, I guess, you don't have if you're playing water polo or something like that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> go there. Uh, Rafael Nadal won an eventful French Open final over David Ferrer, his fellow Spaniard. That was, it. however, it was interrupted by political protesters. The distractions weren't enough to stop Nadal from becoming the first man in history to win the same Grand Slam eight times. It's incredible achievement, isn't it? And apparently, gay marriage was what they were protesting about. Well, I, what I don't like, yeah, well, everybody was calling it controversial, but at the end of the day, it's gay marriage, so it's not only well, it's controversial jumping onto the um, onto centre court with flares. That was controversial. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> Half naked, well, wearing some sort of like mask, and a fan, they had a Phantom of the Opera or something. It was quite <laughs> interesting footage if you get a chance to check it out. Well, I think what was quite good about it though is he went to the effort of translating the protest words across his chest into English, which I thought was oh. quite nice. And for viewers, it just wrote children's rights. So he. He was making oh, his point. Think the of protester. the children. Will somebody please think of the children? I know. Um, however, there was actually a couple of spectators earlier on in the day. They were got taken out after holding a banner with a slogan protesting same-sex marriage laws as well, uh, which, as you've just said, has uh, been widespread opposition in France. Actually, talking league, going across to the state of origin, let's have a bit of a listen to the infamous Paul Gallon punch-up that occurred. There was a little push and shove, and then Gallon has landed left right on the face of Nate Myers. If you didn't see the match, basically Nat Myers was standing there with his hands next to his side, and Gallon came up and just punched him in the face. (laughs) Anyway, Paul Gallon, the Blues coach, has been given a one-match ban after the incident. The captain. Yeah. Not the coach. Captain. Yeah. That wouldn't make sense, would it? (laughs) (laughs) Said this week, it would be wrong a vision of the fighters used to promote Origin 2, given he copped a one-match ban for it. But this is what I found interesting. He said, since day one, Origin has been promoted as this war. Don't promote it, and then when it happens, suspend somebody. So you can sort of see where he's coming from. What I found interesting is Nate Miles, the guy that got punched, came out and said, you know, I don't think you should have got a ban. It's all in the spirit of the game. State of Origin, that's what you expect. Well, look, if it was... was, uh, if he 
retaliated than maybe if it's back and forth, but just to sort of stand there and some guy walks up and punches you in the face. Not you sure. wonder what example that sets for the kids that are watching the game as well. Mm. That's, a, that's a concern. I do like it that the same Queensland police are okay with a, are investigating a Warriors player for peeing on the field. <laughs> However, when a physical assault occurs and there's blood and the person has to go off field, no, no, that's okay. All in the spirit of origin. Um, elsewhere on the ground, just as Gallon was giving Queensland's Nate Myers a combo to the face, a Blues fan jumped the fence at the ANZ Stadium and crash-tackled Kane Toad, the Maroons mascot. Oh, we have him there somewhere. Uh, the 44-year-old man who was apprehended by three security guards after tackling the toad was issued with an infringement notice for entering the field of play. So he got a $200 fine. Was so the toad okay? A spokesman for Queen... Uh, an eyewitness of the event actually said the toad seemed uninjured and bounced back into action after the oh, incident. Oh, well, that's good. Queensland Rugby actually came out and said via Twitter that there was a 50-50 chance that the occupant of the suit could have been female. So I'm oh. glad they're onto it. Now, border security. I think we should change the, the music here. What on earth is this? Tonight on Border Security. Foreign Minister Bob Carr has apologised to Jordan's ambassador after the country's football coach was detained by Australian customs officials at Melbourne Airport this week. Anam Hamad was stopped at customs yesterday after arriving with his team from New Zealand. He was detained for about four years despite having a valid visa and travelling with the, the Jordanian soccer team. Hamad afterwards demanded apology after claiming he was unfairly detained. He said, I asked many times why. He said, not one answer, just we check, we check, we check. I want to know what happened, he said. Senator Carr has come out yesterday and said, for someone who is a prominent figure in Jordan as the coaches, it would have been embarrassing if this occurred. However, he did stop short of issuing an apology for the actual incident occurring in the first place, which is interesting. The Socceroos play Jordan tomorrow night in a crucial match to qualify for the Soccer World Cup in Rio 2014 after their draw with Japan. Big game tomorrow night at Etihad Stadium. Exactly Etihad? right. Uh, yeah, we'll just no, it's not an Eddie Hat. No, it's not. No, it's not. The producer's shaking. He said, "Go, no, that's not right at all." <laughs> You're on Joy ninety four point nine. This is the locker room. Coming up next, we're going to uh, hear from Alan Gendro. He's the uh, young NFL wannabe um, in the US and is uh, hoping to be the first openly gay NFL player in the competition. Uh, You're on Joy ninety four point nine. You're inside the locker room with Ben and Rolly on Joy ninety four point nine. Joy ninety four point nine. Joy 94.9, you're inside the locker room with Ben and Rolly. Now, if you're a rugby union fan, there's no better time of the decade than uh, when the uh, British and Irish Lions tour down under. Happens once every 12 years, and it's a very special occasion. They're here on our shores now, and I tell you what, they're probably the ugliest football team I've ever seen in my life. Just check out the uh, the website. It's incredible. Some scary-looking fellas. Yeah, uh, Queensland put up a pretty good fight, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Look, the uh, the Lions started over in uh, in Perth against the Western Force uh, last Wednesday night, exactly the same time as the um, uh, State of Origin. They got thumped, the Force, 69-17 to 17 was the score in Perth, and that's where they uh, started in Australia. So uh, a pretty strong start for the Lions. Um, and as you said, yes, yeah, Saturday night they played the Reds, a much better performance. All eyes were on Quade Cooper, of course. Uh, he was going for that uh, final spot in the Wallaby squad to play the tests against the Lions later on. He missed out. Isn't that something, though, that's just been, uh, has been generated by the media? Like, he was never going to get in. Like, Robbie Dean is not going to have, have that guy back in no, his team. No, Well, you never know. I mean, with injuries and how things change so quickly, uh, you might see him back in the squad soon. Who knows? Interestingly, though, the man who is coming in as the star playmaker, likely to play 10 and uh, be the playmaker there with James O'Connor, is Curtly Beal, straight out of rehab into the Wallabies training squad. 
I was actually expecting a little bit of a- Amy Winehouse to kick in there, <laughs> but I mustn't have prepared that before the show. So, um, look, no, good on Kirtley anyway, sort of straight straight back on the straight and narrow. So, um, yeah, should play well for the for the Wallabies. Now, tomorrow night, if you're not a soccer fan, you're not watching the uh, the soccer game, you can watch the Lions. They're playing a combined Queensland-New South Wales countryside up in Newcastle. Spare a thought for the 18- and 21-year-old junior Sia Cassini and Louis Katz. Now, they're country footballers, never um, played professional rugby before, and they're coming up against some of the biggest names in world sport. Brian O'Driscoll from Ireland, um, Jamie Roberts from Wales, two of the probably world's leading centres these guys are coming up against. It's going to be a significant milestone in their career. What a big night in Newcastle. Yeah. Be a great night out watching the Lions and uh, the country team. It certainly will. Now, uh, we've got to get over to the US now where Alan Gendro, uh, now he was the starting kicker at Middle Tennessee State University football team for four years. He uh, last year um, graduated from the university. While he was playing, he became the all-time leading scorer in the Sunbelt Conference history, so the whole the whole uh, university conference over there. He also happens to be gay, and um, when he was playing at university level, he was warmly um, embraced by his team, which was fantastic. Now, when it was time to try out for the NFL initially, he did walk away from from the sport, didn't feel like it was something for him. However, now, a year after graduating, he's lacing up his cleats again in the hopes for a shot at the NFL and a chance to become the NFL's first openly gay player. Now, although he has missed uh, selection in the initial draft, which has just happened, there is still a chance that Gendro uh, could play in the NFL. Apparently, because he's a kicker, it's likely he could be contracted outside the draft. Apparently, that's something that, that can happen quite often. In his first interview, Outsports side Ziegler caught up with Alan about being gay and Christian in football. Take a listen. This is interesting. You have such little time on the field, you really think about every little detail and it starts to become a a mental game. I remind myself, I keep saying, you're going to make this, you're going to make this, you're going to make this. I first met Alan Gendro four years ago when Outsports ran an anonymous story about the gay freshman kicker at Middle Tennessee State. Since then, he went on to become the leading scorer in Sunbelt Conference history, kicking the conference's second longest field goal ever. But when it was time to try out for the NFL, he walked away from the sport. Now he wants to walk back in. Growing up, I loved music. That's a huge part of my life. And my choir teacher in high school asked me to be a part of the worship team at our church. My freshman year of college, um, I sang Christmas Eve service, brought my boyfriend to like a high school get-together with all my high school friends. The parent went and told the pastor of our church that Alan Gendro was gay. And so the pastor had someone address me and to ask me to politely step down from my leadership position in the church. I mean, I grew up in that church. I was baptized in that building at six months old. It was a part of me. To get shunned, it was like totally a knife to the heart, you know? You ended up going to a school in the middle of Tennessee with and playing on a team that was, religion played a big part on that team. I mean, we, we had a team chaplain. We prayed before every game. Your team knew you were gay. Yeah, my success on the field, I don't think they really cared what I did off the field. Did you ever have a homophobic experience from your teammates? Not one. And I think it all boils down to, we were a, a team as a family, and in any family situation, you just come as you are. That brotherhood is really tight, and that's what I think a lot of people don't understand is how tight a football team is. Is this a big misconception about football, that football is rampant with homophobia? Because people think it's impossible to come out in football. Being gay and playing football, there's no contradiction. 
the opportunity to play professional football is now or never, and that's it. The NFL's never had a gay player. And a lot of people talk about the importance that that can have for kids, right? Gay kids who don't have a role model, particularly gay athletes. You could be that player kids look up to. I just want people to know that you can still be who you are and the best person that you can be and still be gay. Didn't matter for me. I didn't have any problem with it. My friends didn't have a problem with it. So I just want my my thing is I want people to know that it's okay, you know? So that would be my biggest goal in doing all of this. You gotta be really calm at all times and you can't psych yourself out because thinking too much can be your worst enemy. That was Alan Gendro, uh, the young American football player over in the US who is uh, hopeful of becoming the first openly gay NFL player. Well, the interesting, yeah, I suppose the other dynamic is, is being Christian as well. Is that, you know, I suppose. And a choir boy. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose that sort of goes hand in hand sometimes. But, you know, I suppose being Christian does sort of add another dynamic to it and then being, you know, going into the NFL. So good on him anyway. Yeah, good luck to him. Are we going to put a photo up on the Facebook, are we? Yes, we've got one coming up very soon. He also happens to be a very charming looking young man. Actually, if you look at his YouTube channel, he's got a YouTube channel as well. He fancies mm. himself as a bit of a singer. He does a few different numbers on there, a few Frank Sinatra numbers. Oh, nice. So worth a look if, you, uh, if you're interested in a bit of a sing-along. It is a lot of fun. You're on Joy at 94.9. When we come back, we'll be talking to Paul Oliver. He's the uh, National Manager of Play by the Rules. That's an initiative aimed at tackling um, harassment, discrimination, racism um, and child safety in sport across the nation. You're on Joy 94.9. The Locker Room. Come in and get changed. Sports news, views and interviews for our community. Joy 94.9. Hi, I'm Dave Pogot from the Brumbies. Sport has the power to bring about positive change and disarm prejudice. Sexual preference is an individual thing. Unfair treatment on the basis of someone's sexuality or assumptions about their sexuality is discrimination and has no place in our community or in sport. Be strong. Be respectful. Challenge homophobic language and behaviours because everyone deserves the right to play in a safe and welcoming environment. Go to playbytherules.net.au for some tips about keeping your sport inclusive, safe and fair. Joy 94.9, you're inside the locker room, Ben and Mark with you. That was David Pocock, Australian Wallaby rugby player. Now, Mark, throughout history, sport has shown to have the power to help bring about some important social change. But with homophobia and racism in sport still making headlines today, it seems we've uh, still got a bit of a way to go in achieving a completely inclusive sporting culture here in Australia. One of the initiatives at the forefront of inclusion in sport is the Play by the Rules initiative. To tell us more about the program, we're joined by Play by the Rules National Manager Paul Oliver, Paul, welcome to Joy 94.9. Hi, how are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. Paul, give us a bit of a brief overview of what Play by the Rules is all about. Yeah, sure. Um, Play by the Rules is a national initiative. Um, it's funded and supported by the Australian Sports Commission at a federal level and then at the state and territory level by all the um, departments of sport and recreation and all the equal opportunity commissions uh, and throw in the New South Wales Children's Commission and, and ANSLA the Sports Law Association. So a whole range of different organisations see a need for uh, promoting safe, fair and inclusive uh, sport, to the, particularly to the grassroots sport area. Uh, a whole range of resources and campaigns of, of keeping sport free from discrimination and harassment. Paul, what was uh, the catalyst behind uh, starting this program? Yeah, it started out 
uh, 11 years or so in South Australia uh, out of the Equal Opportunity Commission there. And it was just, uh, they could see, um, you know, getting a few complaints around discrimination, harassment in sport across a range of different areas. And, uh, yeah, started up a website around that with a few resources and fact sheets, that type of thing, and it's just grown from there. Um, it's now a website, you know, which has got a lot of the fact sheets and information and interactive scenarios, that type of thing, but very much a lot of campaigns and partnerships and, and education as well thrown into the mix now. And, Paul, what's the take-up been like from the community sporting organisations around the country? Has the program been well-supported by grassroots clubs? Are you seeing a bit of traction now? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been doing it as national manager just just on two years now. And our, our web hits, I, I guess, and that's sort of the epicentre of yep. the, 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 the program with the webs, they, they started about... 5,000 sort of visits a month and they're up around 25,000 now. So definitely, you know, a five-fold increase since I've been there. But um, particularly a lot of involvement with partnerships with a lot of different sporting organisations now and, and that can either be local level or, or state or, or national sports as well who really want to get involved with the campaigns and, the you know, promote a lot of the work that we do around whether it's homophobia or racism issues or, or the whole gamut of issues across sport. Paul, um, your website's got a number of toolkits and resources on it. Just tell us about some of the things that are on there and, and what is the general audience, you know? Uh, could could primary school teachers use it or high school teachers? Yeah, very much, yeah. I mean, the website's predominantly around the education awareness side of things. So there's a got an issue section so if it relates to homophobia there's a few fact sheets there of in sport of, of what to do if you're an administrator at a club or a coach or a player if, if, if homophobia or vilification issues occur um, but as you say um, you know it's used by schools as well by local councils uh, but predominantly we find a lot of it's the the infrastructure within sporting clubs so administrators when they're getting together codes of conduct or resources or education things for, for the different people within the club. Uh, that's what they use the website for. Paul, what are the, I suppose I'm going to put you on the spot here, but what are the main arguments or, or positions you'd put forward if you were dealing with homophobia in sport? Oh, look, just there's no, as David Pocock said, there's just no place for, for homophobia in sport. As a whole range of the discrimination and harassment issues in sport, I think you said at the, sport, the start as well, the power of sport, you know, the positive power, but it's also the negative power as well. Mm. Uh, I do a PhD in, into the power of sport and, you know, there's a stack of evidence of how it can break down barriers and, and provide that welcoming environment, and, you know, all the health-associated things, but also the connection to community and the belonging. But, but, but on the flip side, it's got just as much potential if it's not done right for, to be exclusive and, and the stereotypes and barriers existing for, for different groups as well. So, yeah, for me, it's very much about the educa ongoing education, uh, awareness and, and just vigilance that, you know, a lot of the issues still occur um, and it's just being vigilant of addressing those all the time or seeing the other 
fantastic programs that are out there as well, like the No to Homophobia campaign and the Fair yeah. Go Sport program in Victoria of, of teeing up with them as well. Paul, I imagine you probably get contacted by um, by clubs or individuals who, who need some assistance in uh, in this area of inclusion. Is there a particular issue or like a form of discrimination that you think is most prevalent at the moment? Is there a particular issue that we, we need to deal with? Um, it's on the top of the priority list. Oh, no. I mean, you know... Uh, as you say, I do get a lot of uh, emails or calls, but it's across the full gamut. And at different times of the year, at, at the start of the year, it might be around team selection issues. And um, But, you know, uh, lately, obviously, in the news, all racism issues, and, and we did a campaign around that as well. But, you know, if you go back a couple of weeks before that with, with the Idaho Day of the fantastic, you know, AFL Players Association and Jason Ball campaigns around that for, for homophobia. So... Yeah, different times of the year, different issues and, and something might ignite in the media and that gets a bit more attention at a particular time. But but for us, yeah, it's, it's all the issues deserve equal weight and try and provide awareness for all of them. Uh, you're in the locker room with uh, Ben and Rowley. We're talking to Paul Oliver, National Manager of Play by the Rules. Um, I have to ask, Paul, being an AFL state, um, we've had a, a number of incidents with racial slurs in the game down here. Um, are you guys supported by the AFL, and, and do you think they're using some of your resources at the moment? Yeah, we um, we actually produce the uh, we feed up with the Australian Human Rights Commission with the racism it stops with me campaign. So we actually for the last three months or so we've been working on a on a uh, community service announcement, and it featured Adam Goods, mm. uh, Nick. Talk Mackle. about timing, eh? It was yeah. <laughs> well, we 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 teed up with the AFL, and they were kind enough to the week before, say, yep, we'll play that for you at the Dreamtime at the G game. And then um, they passed that on to Channel 7 as well and, and they were going to play it on the Friday night and it just happened to tie in that, you know, the unfortunate incident with Adam Good. Um, but I guess the flip side of that was, yeah, there was a lot of awareness around that week with racism in sport and and I guess further still of working in the social justice area for the last 10 years or so, it was, it was great to see a debate around racism and casual racism in Australia over that next week. Paul, you've got a number of um, other big sporting names, uh, including uh, David Pocock, of course, and Adam Gilchrist. How important is it to have these people on board to um, you know, talk about your message? Yeah, I guess we come at it two ways. We, we come at it from the bottom level of the of the education and, and that information, you know, to grassroots sports. So if they do have an incident or or they want to be proactive with their codes of conduct, we, we have all that in place. But, yeah, I, I think it's really important with the role models um, to get the messages across, you know. And it's, it's not specifically aimed uh, at anyone, but it's just that wider ethos of sports should be fair, safe and inclusive. And... You know, if kids running around with their local uh, footy club see that sort of message from their heroes, yeah, I, I think they take some of that in. And, uh, yeah, it's been fantastic to see with the AFL, with, with Brock McLean and some of the other players in there, and particularly David Pocock with, with the um, the rugby union as well and feed up with the Athletes Ally campaign against homophobia. It's great yeah. that some it's of those guys taking the lead. Certainly makes a big difference and it does give the message uh, I guess such a such a, a broader profile and a much bigger audience and it's uh, you know those those athletes that are out there supporting these messages should be congratulated. It's uh, it's often uh, a bit of a scary thing to be the uh, the one man out standing up for something particularly in a team sport environment so for these guys to do that uh, it, uh, it says a lot about their character and we thank them. Paul uh, where can we get some more information about Play by the Rules? 
Yeah, the website's www.playbytherules.net.au. And, um, yeah, the campaign with racism, uh, the community service announcement ads, they should be on, on the TV at the moment and there's some radio ads going with that at the moment too for the next eight or ten weeks. So, yeah, anyone can jump online, download any of the resources or the, the policies and templates and codes for their club to try and remain vigilant and uh, educate their, their players and coaches. Paul, thanks so much for joining us in the locker room tonight on Joy 94.9. Uh, we'll be looking forward to talking to you again in the future. Yep, no problems, anytime. You're inside the locker room, your show for sports news, views and interviews. That was Paul Oliver, National Manager of Play by the Rules. Coming up next, we're talking to the Melbourne Frontrunners. You're on Joy 94.9. Do you want to hold your own in a sports conversation? Get a better pub quiz score or just like the sound of two boys talking about ball sports? Then join Ben and Rolly in the locker room on Joy 94.9. Ben, Melbourne's front runners are Melbourne's GLBTIQ running group, which I guess is given away by their name. I have always wanted to be a better runner uh, and, <laughs> and not almost collapsing when I run to the train down at South Yarra. I'm hoping the treasurer, Rob, will be able to give us give me some tips. Well, actually, both of us, I should say. Hey, I'm not a bad runner, just just slowly. I think, we go, I think, I think Rob, we're going to come and have a some run with you very shortly. bursts I can do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the locker room, Rob. So tell me, how did you get involved with the front runners? Thank you. Oh, I've been there five years now. The, the front runners exist. Oh, I think they've been around for 12 years. I've been there for five years and just started on uh, on a Saturday morning and have been around since then. And it was, yeah, it's such a great group. It's a great and very welcoming group. And basically we do two trainings per week, Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, and the Saturday is always the most yeah, popular one. Tell me, Rob, if I wanted to come down for a run on a Saturday, can we stop yeah, off? So, can we stop off for somewhere for a latte and a croissant on the way, or is it very hardcore sort of running? No, it's look what we do. Eh, we we start all together. We we start at a conservatory gate, and uh, that's where we meet. And we're always on a Saturday between oh, 25, 30 people. It depends a bit on the weather, but there's always a, a good group of people. Um, and there's people running one or two laps. Uh, we've got different levels because we've got people who run marathons and, and do all kinds of competitions. Yeah. But as well, people who just start like you and you say, okay, I want to do some running and just do one lap. And, Jeez, I think and I've committed to something. <laughs> yeah, that's all fine. You can imagine Ben's run, you know, stopping off for a latte and then, you know, pop and oh, do the oh. post. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think they're out there doing their errands on a Saturday morning, Ben, but... Um, Hey, tell me, Rob, what, what's the makeup of people? What have you got? What are we all sort of, you know, twenty to twenty-five sprinting around the tan, or got, uh, a, a, got all it's, ages? It's a big, it's a mixture of all kind of ages, um, boys and girls, um, and don't forget because because runners do one or two laps in different levels, but there's as well people who come for a walk uh, and who take the dogs and. And the one thing we all have in common, we start at the same time and we're very, yeah, we, we're quite friendly, I think, and we're, we always talk and chat to everyone. And then everyone does their run and we, we, we always run in different groups with different levels and people are chatting on the way. But at the end, we all meet again at the Conservatory Cafe. Oh, lovely. I was waiting for that, Rob. That is music yeah. to my ears. It's Melbourne. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, it's all an excuse to go for a coffee for brekkie in the Conservatory Cafe, and it's always nice. And uh, the running, okay, we start 8.30, 
and usually we're done by quarter past nine something like that. Oh, 45 uh, minutes, I can do that. Yeah, and then we sit for coffee and we, oh, I usually go home not before 10, 30, 11-ish, so we just sit and, and we, we have a chat and we, yeah. Rob, it's give great, us... It's a great, it's start, a great start of the weekend. Rob, give us the details. If we wanted to get involved, how could we find out some more information? Okay. The best thing you can do is go to our website, www.melbournefrontrunners.com.au. Because on the website, you can find all the information about the trainings we do. It's a Saturday and a Sunday, but Sunday is more of advanced. And it's, it's more if we have longer runs, then people do, do it on the Sundays. The Saturday is, is if you want to start training with us, come for the Saturday because that's the best day. Um, and you can find all the details on the website. Um, you can see where we are. You can see some photos. You can read about some activities we do because, okay, we do the running all together and we, we, yeah, we have some runs we, we do and there's always some people who sign up for it. But as well, we're quite social, I think. We, we, we do all kind of uh, diff- other things like in two weeks' time we do a pub crawl we do an enrichment. Now, this is what I'm talking about, Rolly. <laughs> I just, I'm yeah. in the wrong sport, I think. <laughs> Pub crawls, lattes, conservatory yeah. cafe. I don't know if they'll yeah. let you in and you're running short, <laughs> you're running shoes and your short shorts. But are you just sort of pop and pint the yeah. next one? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I love it. Hey, yeah, um, it's good. It's, it's, it's quite good. And we did uh, a few weeks ago, we did a thousand steps. So we went all up uh, on the Sunday morning. We were around, oh, 35, 40 people were there, and, um, and we just all ran up on the stairs. And uh, afterwards, we had uh, we we had a, a brekkie barbecue, and oh, it was it was really good. It was really fun, and yeah, we do we do quite a few different things, yeah, uh, than only the running. We do the carb loadings, and we have barbecues, and we have. Oh, it's getting better and better, Rob. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. Sounds like it's a hell of a lot of fun. If you want to get more details, you can jump onto the website for all yeah. the information. Rob, we'll have to get you back on soon. Okay. In the meantime, I want to know how the uh, pub crawl ends up. I think yeah. that's where I'd like a status update. I'm just <laughs> also I'm not sure about these southern steps. I don't think you're allowed to run up them, Rob. I might uh, hopefully yeah, uh, Parks Victoria is not listening. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see it, but we did. Oh. <laughs> Rob, we've got to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. You're inside the locker room on Joy ninety four point nine. Sports news, views and interviews for our community. The Locker Room with Ben and Rolly on Joy 94.9. Quarter to ten on Joy 94.9, you're inside the locker room. Ben Lankin with you. Rolly is here with me as well. Ben, we have Ian Hosking on the line, the president of the Spikers, Melbourne's Gay and Lesbian Volleyball Club. Paul, you had your winter whack tournament on set day. We did. We How did it successful. go? Very successful. We had about 115 people, players, plus volunteers. And we had, um, we had women's team, we had a C grade and a B grade division. And uh, at the um, Darwin Sports Centre in Preston. Ian, uh, yeah. tell me, this this uh, competition, is this just sort of an intra-club competition between teams within your club or are you competing against other teams? Well, we had uh, a team from Sydney and a team from Adelaide and we normally get a few more down, but uh, there's a few who have gone off to Antwerp. Of course. Uh, so we're a couple of teams down from both states today. So yes, it is a inter-state team competition. Now, volleyball is one of those sports that's uh, very popular overseas, particularly in Europe. Not so much down here, unless you're down on the beach, of course, where it is very popular. We've won a few gold medals there. Have you got some people going over to Antwerp for the, um, for the out yeah, games? We, yeah, Melbourne Spikers have got two teams going. 
Uh, and I believe Sydney's got at least one or two, and I think Adelaide's going one too. And what are our chances in terms of Melbourne bringing home some silverware, Ian? No, no, well, no. We've, we've won uh, medals in the past on a couple of their previous um, uh, overseas tournaments, Cologne and also in uh, Montreal. Well, if you've got uh, two teams going over to Antwerp, you must have a lot of people in the club. How, how, how many have we got there? Around the 60 to 70 mark. Jeez, that's, that's it's, quite it's a one lot. Of the oldest, it's one of the oldest clubs uh, in Melbourne. Uh, originated in 1985. So you've come a long way since 1985. I suppose uh, starting up a, a gay and lesbian sporting club must have been tough back then, was it? Uh, yes, I've, I've been involved for about 12 odd years, but there are still some old stayers still around, life members. We've uh, we've made some of them. Oh, so brilliant. Wouldn't have, been hard, wouldn't have been easy in the earlier days. But, uh, so uh, you've got people there from, I suppose... Uh, I suppose all backgrounds, really. So all, all ages, or yeah, all, all, all ages, anywhere from uh, I think youngest about seventeen, all the way up to uh, there. I say it, just under fifty. Men, <laughs> men and women as well. Yeah, mixed. Yes. So, and, it's, uh, so it's a mixed team, or are the men playing a separate team to the women? Oh, we're, on the tournament we um, we had women's teams, but there was also some women's mixed teams. Okay. Um, and quite often on, on the Tuesday night that we actually have a social night, anywhere from six thirty to eight thirty at Collingwood Secondary College. Uh, it's a mixed mixed night. It's just purely a social night. We have coaches and uh, refs. It's just really a social get-together. So what? Uh, so hit that again. So you guys train on the Wednesday, did you say? Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights down yep, there in every, Collingwood. Yep, every Tuesday, 6.30 to 8.30. And how do people get involved and, and get a hold of you guys? Well, there is a website. If you do a, a Google on Melbourne Spikers or www.melbournespikers.org.au. And Ian, do you guys play? Does, is volleyball sort of an all-year-round sport or is something just happens in the wintertime? Oh, no, it's all year round. We, we actually close down for the summer uh, school holidays because it is a school that we play at. Uh, but we then have our beach volleyball down at St Kilda for about four or five weeks. Well, that sounds like fun, Mark. Yeah, yeah well, uh, yeah, well, down at St Kilda, of course, we had... Um, I've just misplaced her name. The, the Natalie gold Cook. Yes, yeah, sorry. We actually had She's Natalie only been Cook. to four Olympics and won how many gold, oh. one gold medal, one silver medal. Well, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Natalie Cook, the uh, the Australian Beach Volleyball gold medalist. We spoke to her oh, a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big fan of the show she is. Ian, uh, so give us those details again. Where can we get in touch with um, the Spikers? Well, either Google uh, Melbourne Spikers or www.melbournespikers.org.au. Thanks very much, Ian, for joining us. Uh, no if, you can, if you want to uh, get down and uh, join the uh, volleyball uh, team, you can uh, look up the website. They get all the details off the Thanks, Facebook as well. Thanks, Ian. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Now, Mark, uh, a couple of things uh, have happened in the uh, world of sport this week. You mentioned the uh, tennis earlier. We spoke about the men. We didn't speak about the women. Serena. Serena. She's won a second French Open. Gee, she's a powerhouse. What happened to her sister? She's still a playing, I think. Well, Just yeah. Just not quite as well. No. I mean, that, if you were a twin sister, you wouldn't be sort of that... Um, wouldn't be very well when you're sitting around the dinner table and Serena's there bringing home all the trophies and you're sort of, you know, taking home the 10th uh, the, the runner-up prize. Yeah, it would, uh, would make for some awkward dinner table conversation, that's for sure. I've just realised I don't think they're twins. No, they're sisters. Oh, Did you yeah. say twins? Yeah, I'm having a great night tonight. Oh, yeah, so. you are. You're doing very well. We're going to talk AFL in a second, uh, but uh, a couple of key games um, over this uh, weekend just gone. Of course, we had the Swans and the Crows. Um, Swans are on in form on their way back to the top of the competition. They proved this week that they could be in the final come September. Um, they've certainly um, showed that uh, they, uh, they're not in a premiership hangover. They're now in more in a, uh, in a bit of a honeymoon period. The Swamp smashed Adelaide 127 points to 50 in an all-round display that sent a message to the rest of the competition that they're again the benchmark for the competition. Um, yeah, you, you can't kill them off easily. The boys in red and white are back. 
The old South Melbourne Swans, eh? <laughs> Coming back to... Uh, I'm always amazed how many fans they've got in Melbourne. It's always incredible because you'd think being a Sydney team, they'd be like, nah, you, you've gone over the... Oh, uh, they stayed here, You've gone they? over the Murray. We don't we don't want to hear from you again. But um, I'm surprised with uh, our South Australian counterparts, why they haven't, you know, they haven't been in the, in the running for a long time. No, well, it's interesting, you know, when the, when, uh, the, the, the AFL team started in Adelaide, I mean, the, the South Australian Football Association didn't, uh, didn't want to go in with the AFL, and there was obviously one team that came in, and then now we have the two teams in there. It's some significant rivalry down there. I lived down there for a little while, and mm. tell you when the, uh, when the, the two teams uh, play down there, I think they call it Smackdown or something, a showdown they call it, oh. <laughs> uh, down there in Adelaide for the, for, the, for, the, uh, for the local derby. It's always a lot of fun, actually. I want to talk about Geelong now as well. Mm. Now, this is one premier club. I'll tell you what, they are looking good. This is potentially going to be four flags in seven years for, the, for, for Geelong, who's sitting at the top of the table. Um, they head into a bye boasting a 10-1 record this season, 10 wins, 1 losses, only one defeat to date, and that was a, only by one goal to Collingwood in round eight. Now, six of its 11 remaining games are at home, plus an MCG clash with Hawthorne and an Etihad Stadium game against North Melbourne. So uh, it's looking good for the Cats as they head towards the finals. Uh, Cats could uh, not really be better placed for a, um, for a top four finish. So it'll be interesting to see how they go and uh, how they go down there at Gardenia Park under the lights. It's always interesting with uh, Geelong because the fans of Geelong, you, you would never suspect certain people being fans of Geelong, but their base is huge. You know, even old Teddy Bailey was in here the other day. He was? Was he a Geelong fan? Yes. Oh, there you go. Incredible Geelong fan. And, and like, you wouldn't expect a lot of these people, but then when they start telling the story, it gets very interesting. Now, talking about um, North Melbourne, Melbourne and Hawthorne, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to make the correlation between Hawthorne and Melbourne. Jeff Kennett was the previous president of, of Hawthorne, Anyway, so he's come out this week talking to Jeff, uh, Jeff Mitchell, Neil Mitchell, <laughs> Neil Mitchell. <laughs> uh, on becoming uh, the president of Melbourne. He's going to rectify this club. Take a listen, and, and we'll have a bit of a have a bit of a word about it. Our ways of fixing this. Melbourne is a strong brand. It's got a proud history. It has been fouled up for the last what ten or fifteen years, I guess. You can't continue like this. Well, do you want to go on leaving? I've, had, I've said to people before, and I've been approached in recent times to do it. I don't mind going and You've helping. You've been approached I think in recent times to do what? To go in and help Melbourne. I'm happy to do what, it. It's present? a management challenge that is the best management challenge in sport at the moment. Have you been approached to be chairman? Yes, I have. How recently? Have, and I've, yes, very recently. How recently? Two weeks ago. I'm not sure whether uh, if I was uh, running uh, the Melbourne rug- uh, the rugby club, <laughs> the Melbourne football club, that uh, that I'd want Jeff Kennett running the the club. Obviously, Hawthorne through and through was president there for many years. Look, anything's gonna may help. I mean, I, rugby is. Uh, I keep saying rugby. AFL is in his blood. Hawthorne is in his blood. Going across to Melbourne, I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, I think look, it's a bit of rubbish actually. Do you think he's actually been asked to become the president of Melbourne? No. No, but that's Jeff Kennett for you. So, um, look, interesting guy. He may bring a bit, he'd probably bring a bit more publicity to Melbourne. I don't know. Anything. I suppose I can try anything. They can't get any worse, can they? I mean, 80 80 nil loss to Collingwood. Was that tonight? Yes, it was. Yeah. Now, anyway, let's uh, in Smithy's absence, I feel like I have to talk about North Melbourne just for a second. Unfortunately, not good news again for the uh, for the boys in blue. North Melbourne versus Gold Coast looks like uh, North's final hopes are heading south. It looks like uh, it's not going to be a great finish of the season for them. The Gold Coast Suns defeated North Melbourne sixty six to fifty one on Saturday. Now, this loss could spell the end of North Melbourne's finals hopes after the four um, heartbreaking losses by less than a goal in the opening ten rounds. This one wasn't very close. Uh, after the customary blistering start, they were up by 25 points in the um, 
first quarter. It was all one-way traffic after that, and the Kangaroos are now four from seven, uh, four and four to seven, and two wins out of the eight entering the bye. So um, they've got a bye now. Interesting to see. Smithy's not going to like me for saying this, but I actually enjoyed uh, the Gold Coast winning. Do you, the reason being is I just think... Gary Ablett factor, isn't it? Well, it is, but it's just really poor for the competition. If you put in GWS and the Gold Coast and they just end up being, you know, your easy beats. I, I actually really getting a bit excited about the Gold Coast. I actually hope they become a really solid team. You Kiwis like an underdog, don't you? Well, I suppose because half the Gold Coast is Kiwis. It sort of, it feels like our, <laughs> feels like our, it feels like the Kiwi Suns. Look, it's not going to get much easier for the Kangaroos after after the break, they're uh, off to Patterson Stadium to take on Fremantle. That's going to be a uh, tough outing for them. Yeah, any time you go over to uh, the West Coast, it's, it's going to be really hard when they're at home. You're inside the locker room on Joy 94.9. We'll come right back very soon and wrap things up. Sports news, views and interviews for our community. The Locker Room with Ben and Rolly on Joy 94.9. Time for us to hit the showers for another week, Rolly. Uh, special thank yous this week. Paul Oliver, National Manager for Play by the Rules, thank you for joining us earlier. We also had uh, Adam, of course, uh, here pushing the buttons. We thank him and also for our podcast. They'll be available on the website soonjoy.org.au. We also had Ian from uh, Melbourne Spikers from the uh, volleyball team. They were here with us also. And Rob from Melbourne Frontrunners for joining us as well. I have to give a little bit of a shout-out. Uh, the South Sea Roller Derby Forest Thump is on uh, this Saturday, June 15, from 6 till 7 at the Springer's Leisure Centre, uh, Cheltenham Road, Keysborough. Uh, all ages, alcohol is available for you, Ben. Oh, uh, $10 per person, children $5, and, of course, under fives are free. Uh, and then uh, if you're still hanging around, the Storm in the Nights game will be on Sunday at Amy. Just sort of a couple of really quick key events there happening in Melbourne. Big show for us next week as well, Monday, 9pm. We've got Australian Olympic boxer Jeff the Hornet Horn joining us live in uh, uh, the locker room. We've also got the vice captain of the Australian women's cricket team, Alex Blackwell, will be back to preview um, the Ashes Tour, which is starting very soon. So something to look forward to next week. Until next week, I've been Ben, you've been Rolly, and uh, we'll see you on Monday at 9pm. Good night. The Locker Room. Come in and get changed. Sports news, views and interviews for our community. Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.